Hello and welcome to Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where each week we discuss matters affecting the rural sector. The Country Land and Business Association are the only organisation dedicated to protecting and defending the rights of landowners and rural businesses. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What next for rural Wales is a big question, especially with all the chaos and uncertainty of the last 12 months. But as Welsh people head to the polls on May the 6th, it's worth reflecting on what comes next for Wales and what our panel think the Senedd needs to do over the next five years to grow the Welsh rural economy. Rory McLagan, who runs the Merthyr Mawr estate near Bridgend in South Wales, is CLA Cymru's chair. We're also joined by Angharad Owen, a former chartered surveyor in London and Chester who now works with her brother running their third generation family business which comprises of a holiday park and farming near Abergele in on the North Wales coast. Rory and Angharad represent the distinct characteristics of North and South Wales with CLA Wales director Nigel Hollett sitting in the middle providing the perspective uh, of what the CLA will be focusing on with the introduction of a new batch of Senedd members. Welcome Rory, Angharad uh, and Nigel Croeso. Great to have you on the podcast. Now, before we dive into talking about the the Welsh elections, our listeners would love to hear a bit more about your backgrounds and and your businesses. And if I could start with you, Rory, tell us a bit more about the Merthyr Mawr estate. Yeah, Merthyr Mawr estate is a a diversified um, rural estate located on the Heritage Coast in in Glamorgan. Um, We have a mix of farms, including livestock and arable. Woodland and residential and commercial properties and so forth. Um, we've also diversified and are continuing to, continuing to diversify as much as we can. Um, we have holiday cottages and uh, campsite and event space. We host a couple of festivals every year. Um, we have a restaurant and, um, and probably slightly unusually, we have a, an 840 acre national nature reserve, which I think is, um, I think I'm correct in saying it's one of only two privately owned and managed uh, natural nature reserves in Wales. And uh, we've just taken back uh, day-to-day control of that um, from National Resources Wales, who were managing it for the last uh, 21 years. So it's very exciting times for us to, and, and opens lots of possibilities and opportunities. And we do, of course, um, as, as well as the things that we do ourselves, we also host a number of uh, rural businesses. Um, who do a variety of, of, of activities, anything from racehorse training to a social enterprise, helping disadvantaged kids, uh, pony trekking, airsoft, all sorts of things. But we are in a, uh, a very urban area of Wales, so we're close to large centres of population and um, we get a lot of visitors. So we, we, 
we host around about 200,000 visitors every year. Thank you, Rory. Uh, incredible to, to listen and hear all, all those varied activities you have on the estate. As you said, it's a heavily diversified estate. And uh, I want to head up to North Wales now and over to Ngharad Owen. I know you, you're working on a diversified family business as well. Tell us a bit about your background and the work you do. Thanks, Alex. So, um, I was a chartered surveyor um, when I was working in London and in Chester, um, but now I work with my brother. Um, we've taken over from our parents and from our grandparents before, so the third generation, and we have um, a family-run holiday park. Uh, we still um, farm as well, um, but it's mostly static caravans to some seasonal tours. Um, we have a restaurant um, and we do rent out um, some caravans as well and um, we're just right by the north wales coastal path just within easy access of um, manchester and liverpool just on the north wales coast right by the sea Dioch, thank you and harad and over to you nigel tell us a bit more about your background and your role with cla cymru um, so my mum's family were farmers so i spent much of my early years throwing bales of hay around when we used to do that sort of thing, planting crops and doing all the things that you'd imagine on a mixed, uh, fairly small farm. But uh, my career uh, moved me out of um, Wales. I spent a bit of time in local government. I've worked in the public sector, worked in private consultancy and uh, in various senior roles with NGOs across uh, Wales, um, UK and further afield. So I guess my real um, areas of interest have been in uh, climate change, environmental issues, agriculture, skills and innovation. And uh, that really took me up to when I joined the CLA just over 15 months ago. Nigel, we'll have listeners, of course, to this podcast uh, from England and beyond, uh, as well as in Wales. Can you give us a brief overview of how a Senate election differs from the typical UK-wide election? Yes, of course. Um, I mean, it is it is different to what happens in the UK. Just a reminder for those of uh, our listeners that won't remember this, but the UK government has got 650 seats that are elected every five years. In Wales, we've got 60 seats in the Senate. There are 20 regional seats which span the whole of Wales and 40 constituent seats. So when you go to the polls on May the 6th, you'll be voting for two candidates and indeed a police uh, crime and commissioner uh, role. But in terms of the election, you'll have two votes and um, this is the first time, actually, that 16 and 17 year olds will be able to vote. And also, interestingly, um, anybody that's legally resident as a foreign national will also be able to vote. So some big changes this year, Alid. Yeah, and no, it'd be interesting to follow those through and what, uh, what impact that they might have on the outcome of, of the election. But, you know, Nigel, devolution has been in place now for Wales for, for well over 20 years. Do you think it's been helpful for rural Wales that they're largely governed from Cardiff instead of London? I mean, Ali, to be honest, uh, this is a, a debate that we have often and, and lots of our members and indeed others will have their own particular views on devolution. I mean, the, the, the pluses really are, I think, that you've got really good access to the minister. We meet with the minister on a regular basis and the same with officials, various working groups. So that, that kind of dialogue and that chance to influence and engage is really good. So that's a real positive. Wales, as we all know, is much smaller than the UK. So in a sense, there's things that we can do here much easier than perhaps you could across the rest of the UK. I think we're a big community, so we're able to share thoughts and ideas. We bounce off each other. We criticise others where we need to in a constructive way. But I think what 
um, we need to remember is that obviously Brexit has, has, has happened. We're now out of the EU. And so we need to remember where the money comes from, which is from um, obviously Welsh taxpayers, but also from the UK government. And so I think for us, it's as much about making sure that, yes, we can do things, but also making sure that we join up really well with the UK government. So we do need to work together. So yes, some pluses, but also some some challenges. And I think particularly for those of our members that sit on the border um, and businesses like Anne Harrods that are close to the English border, it does need to be joined up because I think COVID showed particularly that there are um, different regulations in different parts of the UK. And that can quite frankly be frustrating for businesses. So yes, some positives, but we do need to join up much more uh, on various different things. Yeah, and I think we can all relate to the, the confusion that's been out there over the past four months with, with different sets of regulations affecting people depending which side of the border you're on. And uh, you're right to stress the point, Nigel, isn't it? It's about working with both governments uh, in Cardiff and indeed in, in Westminster. But if we're to look ahead to 2026, Nigel, what would you think needs to be achieved for rural businesses in Wales? What, what would make areas more productive, do you think? What's going to be you know, the, the five-year plan now for this next government? It's an interesting uh, conversation, to be honest, Alan, isn't it? Five years seems like a lifetime ahead, but clearly in the world that we're involved in with uh, agriculture, farmers think um, a lot, lot further ahead than the next year. So five years isn't really that long, to be honest, in terms of planning what your business uh, is going to look like, particularly if you're starting to think about you know, planting more trees or doing that kind of bigger um, infrastructure things in relation to environmental improvements and climate change mitigation and, and so on. But I think what we really need by 2026 is a clear plan for agriculture. At the moment, there's a there's a process going forward uh, with Welsh Government about um, determining what payments will look like and the primary legislation will lead on to what the detail looks like. So we need to make sure that we've got a clear plan well before 2026, uh, actually. Um, we need to make sure that we join this up with all of our various climate change obligations. Welsh Government says a lot about climate change. The Prime Minister announced a few days ago a very significant plan for addressing climate change. So for our businesses, what does that mean in terms of different land use? What do we need to do to respond to that? And there are opportunities for that, particularly around food production, and um, you know, feed in the nation, which is a massively important thing that we want to do. And I think the last key thing is we've set out, we're going to talk a bit later, I think, um, Ali, about our rural powerhouse themes, but we just need things to be easier so that when members want to pro progress a development or they want to take something forward or they want to do something that contributes to the economy, I get the bit about making sure it's you know, ticks all the boxes in terms of legislation, but things are just too complicated. So can we please just make things simpler and easier to help drive forward our economy? Yeah, and that's a really good point. I'd like to bring you, you Rory Anningharad in on, on this. What would make the running of your business, Rory, in your estate easier, do you think? I think the key thing business needs is, and many people say that it's almost a cliche, but it's, it's certainty. Um, you know, we need, we need to know what parameters we're working under and we'll be working under it in the, in the medium to longer term um that may be wishful thinking but you know we're undergoing huge amounts of change at the moment both with um the, the climate emergency and, and uh, biodiversity crisis as well as brexit and so forth and you know the rural sector has to ha has has a lot of uncertainty at the moment so as nigel alluded to you know with the new um 
changes to the final payment scheme in particular. A um, lot of lot of uncertainty around that and how that's going to pan out, how much money that may be available, to what extent um, uh, businesses need to adapt and change what they do uh, and reassess and reappraise their, their, their operations. I think we need a, uh, for us, it, 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 we do a lot of we do a lot of things outside farming as well. So planning system is a, is a key gripe with many rural business owners. It's very complex. It's very expensive to achieve planning consent and so forth. Um, one example, we just started a, a process of, um, of a planning application for a second restaurant and an events venue. And uh, just the pre-application stage, just to uh, get a response from the local authority about whether or not, that in principle, this idea is something they're likely to support um, with with consultants and, and local authority fees. That, that's nearly three thousand pounds just to get that simple answer, and that's before we start the, the whole process of the, you know the, the larger application, which will ultimately probably end up being ten times that price. So you know it's a big hurdle towards uh, the incentive to diversify businesses like ours. Um, and the other thing, of course, is, is, is improvements in um, infrastructure, communication infrastructure. You know, we are, as I, I said earlier, very close to large centres of population, yet we have zero mobile phone signal. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. We've now, after a five-year battle and struggle, have finally achieved a fiber, um internet connection, which has been, you know, it's proving to be fairly transformative. But but still no mobile phone signal, which and people live on their mobile phones. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's not really acceptable in this day and age. It's, it's it, not to have that sort of uh, facility available. Yeah, and you've touched upon a, a number of really important themes there, Rory, and, and some of them we'll pick up again when we when we talk about the um, the campaign themes under the Rural Powerhouse ca- campaign. Uh, and interesting on the connectivity side, you know, having good mobile phone signal or good links to, to Wi-Fi broadband is almost just as important as water and electricity supply. You know, it's, it's fundamental to, to the running of, of people's homes and indeed running of their businesses. Uh, and Harad, up on the North Wales coast, you're, you're running a um, holiday park alongside farming. What do you think would make your business ventures easier uh, in future? Thanks, Alec. Yeah, I would echo and support a lot of what Rory was saying there, because I think our businesses are fairly similar in some respects. Um, particularly the coordinating the policies with England, both Westminster and the Senedd working closely together. It definitely is, is a responsibility of Westminster as well as the Senedd to do that. And I think this COVID has really highlighted what a discrepancy there can be when we're just literally 40 minutes from the border. And it's something like I was looking at recently, there's about 87% of overnight stays are from England. So um, our tourism economy is completely grinds to a halt um, when we can't get visitors from England and to not know what is happening um, between the two and not be able to communicate with customers and be able to plan ahead um, prevents investment and it uh, creates uncertainty, which is just quite toxic for business. So a clear roadmap coming, continuing to come out of lockdown as well and working together with Westminster. Um, continuing the help for businesses, which the government has already given um, so that they can continue to recover uh, when, when all these hospitality businesses are reopening. Um, and echoing what Roy is saying, um, supportive planning for businesses and flexible planning for businesses to grow and recover after the lockdown. Um, and meeting these very 
fantastic targets that we have of net zero emissions by 2050 and 68% reduction in greenhouse gases. Um, we really need to be working closely with the national grid um, to make sure that there is grid capacity, the subsidies are in place, and there is rates relief in the long term for landowners to be able to provide renewable energy and help in the green revolution and create an additional revenue stream. Um, and I think also, obviously, what Roy is saying, we need as much clarity and support for farmers to know what is happening once the subsidies are phased out. Um, and to really, hopefully, devolution should come to the fore in this respect and provide a bespoke Welsh environmental management scheme, which takes the landscape and the livestock-based industry that we've got into account. Thank you, Ngharad. Nigel, if I could bring you in here, both Rory and Ngharad have mentioned a number of issues. You know, are these common issues you hear time and time again from your members? They, they are indeed, and often the calls that we get from members, you could almost split them into two or three main categories. I think by far the bulk of them, Halid, are in relation to very practical things. So we had a call this week about a member um, who needs to connect um, his uh, domestic dwelling to the mains. He's got about 400 metres of distance between him uh, and, uh, and the mains. And so how does he go about doing that? They'll often ask about how do I get planning permission for a particular development or I'm having problems with this. Can you just help me try and uh, sort of take that forward? So what I think and hope that we do very well is that we'll, we'll get a query and we've no idea what they're going to say and we'll do absolutely everything we can um, to try and address that query. And that's we enjoy doing that. We love a challenge in the CLA is really in relation to offering just general support, really. Members want reassurance that what they're doing is the right thing. You know, am I on the right track? Am I doing the right thing? So it's it's about practical solutions, but also about um, you know, acting as a sounding board for their ideas and see if we can provide any support in relation to that. Mm. And that's good to highlight the value of CLA uh, membership, having access to, to, to that sound advice when when businesses need practical support. And, and that's particularly been important in the past 12 months with so much change affecting uh, all our, our lives. And we've, we've spoken quite a bit about the challenges within rural Wales uh, at the moment, but, but let's look at devolution um, possibly uh, and the positives that's come from it. Um, Nigel, from your point of view, 20 years of devolution, what are the success stories of that? Um, I'm just thinking of what some of the main ones are. I mean, we, we, um, there's a lot, I guess a positive thing is rhetoric. Um, we have a sustainable development commitment within Wales, which is embedded into law. There's a lot of talk about addressing uh, climate change. And on the back of that, um, how do we uh, address it? So I think those are the positives. Welsh government's very good at big big picture statements. Um, we've got the white paper that came out recently on sustainable management of land. So Welsh government is moving towards a system where agriculture will be supported, but um, there has to be a clear element of supporting what they call public goods. So that might be better access or improved biodiversity or whatever. I think generally that can be seen as a success, but um, with all of these things, we need further detail. We need to know, you know, picking up what I just said about um you know, how do you actually get on and deliver these sort of things? And so it's about practical solutions. We want the next step really for Welsh Government to take about, OK, so how are we going to get on and do all this then? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The CLA has been hard at work ahead of the Senev elections and has produced a manifesto for the incoming Welsh Government based on the needs of rural businesses, landowners and farmers across the country. The CLA have also held rural hustings in which representatives from all of the major political parties debated the environment, future agricultural policy and the rural economy. Both the manifesto and recording are available via our website, www.cla.org.uk. Rory, what's your thoughts around you know, the achievements of the, uh, the Welsh Senate? I, th- I think it's a, it's a mixed picture. You know, it's the positive that come out. I mean, I think one of one of the great things about devolution is is, is the fact that uh, you know Welsh government I think puts much greater emphasis and priority on uh, farming and rural economy than than is the case in in England. And I know that um, speaking to, to to farmers and landowners in England, they're they're often you know very envious about the way the way as as, as Nigel um, mentioned earlier, you know, we have such good access to to, to government and to uh, civil servants in Wales, uh, but also, you know, that, that there is, I think it's, it, it's, it, it, it has a greater cultural sort of significance um, farming in, in Wales than perhaps it does in, in other parts of the UK, and um, yeah, and they do give it, you know, more attention accordingly. So that's 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 good. I think out of that, with the fact that we will have a sort of tailor-made um, replacement scheme to to, to the uh, single farm payment, um, is a great uh, thing for Wales. It, it, it enables us to to do the things that work best for our farmers. Um, on the on the more negative side, I think perhaps there's a tendency uh, to be different for the sake of being different to England. Um, a little bit of sort of um, you know, we know best, um, and that's not helpful. And Harrod um, alluded to, to to that earlier when she talked about COVID-related um, uh, protocols, restrictions, and, 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 and opening up of the economy in different in different time frames. That's hugely frustrating to businesses that, that, that are in hospitality um, and, and others. And so, I think it is a mixed picture. Um, and but there is the potential for that to be the Welsh government to be much more, um, you know, help, helpful and um, and responsive to the needs of, of rural businesses in Wales. 
And Harad, you know, as we mentioned there, hospitality has really been impacted by, by um, the, the long periods of, of lockdown. Do you think it'll take some time for it to recover or are you expecting a real bumper summer with, with huge pent-up demand? I think it will depend on what industry that you are based in, really, um, because I think that it has been a mixed picture because I think there are, has been, you know, a lot of people have lacked and had complete uncertainty as to what was happening. They've had an inability to plan. Um, and I think people have really missed out on not having a clear roadmap coming out of this. Um, and lots of people have had to really use furlough and they've lost a lot of revenue. I think recently there was studies saying that there's about a quarter of businesses may have lost about 80% of their normal revenue in the hospitality businesses. Um, and particularly service sector, hotels, restaurants, bars, hostels, um, attractions, activity providers, they are the last to open and they they really haven't, uh, you know, it's been extremely difficult for them um, and not to know when they are reopening has made it even more difficult. Um, so I think hopefully things will bounce back. There are plenty of businesses that may not, unfortunately, but I think it's so important to have initiatives to continue to support businesses like the Rates Relief um, the 5% VAT and the furlough until all of the economy is back open and flexible planning to help support businesses. Um, so I think it will be a mixed picture, um, but uh, I think I think it's well, we might talk about the tourism tax further along, but I think it, it's it's they need all the support they can get rather than um, uh, thinking about things like the tourism tax unless there is a real benefit to that. But I think um yeah, it will be a mixed picture. Um, I think people will be extremely busy. People can't go abroad. So, you know, it will be very busy. But as long as there is cl clarity as to Wales is open for visitors and welcome and everyone is COVID secure. And um, I think there's a huge potential for Wales and hopefully wanting to make the most of that in the long run to make it a destination which people, even when other, other places are open, other countries abroad, um, it becomes a favourite for people to come continue coming back to, hopefully. Mm. And it's interesting to pick up on that point, isn't it, Nigel, about Wales being a, a destination. Is there an opportunity now to, to capitalise and take advantage of the staycation trend and attract people to places like Aberystwyth or walking in Pembrokeshire? How do we get more people to come on their holidays to Wales? I, I think uh, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I think that we've all perhaps noticed over the last uh, however many years, is that people, particularly younger people, are looking for perhaps more of an experience as opposed to uh, just a holiday where you go away for two weeks and, you know, sit by the pool and and, and do very little else. And also, obviously, people, you know, a lot of people will want to do that. And that's absolutely wonderful that they do. But I think in terms of what Wales can offer, we have fantastic landscapes. Um, we have fantastic coastline. So it's, it's a place really where people can come and find and do whatever they want to do, I think, in many ways, as long as they obviously respect. Uh, the countryside. So I think what we need to do is to build on what we do already very well, such as Ang Harrod's business and the ones Rory are involved in. We do that very well. And there's a, definitely a place for all of that. But I think looking for new opportunities and new markets, we've seen perhaps a growth in uh, in sort of, you know, people want to come and have an experience or, or staying a yurt or going to a shepherd's hut or something like that. I think there needs to be um, it needs to be easier for smaller businesses that maybe have a, a smaller holding to have, 
you know, two or three yurts or something much smaller scale that has less impact on the community. And I think that can create uh, quite a big boost to that particular business. So we, I think we need better marketing so we can encourage more visitors into Wales. But I think the backdrop to all of that is that while we do want more people to come, can they please come and make sure they respect what we have got in Wales, which is particularly special. And I guess the last thing is about really promoting, the, you know, the Welsh brand, which is different to other parts of the UK. We have a fantastic, you know, Welsh language. We have a Welsh culture. We have Welsh food. We produce excellent Welsh produce. Let's try and make sure we can get some of the benefits of that through to our businesses as well. Now, the CLA have been advocating the candidates ahead of the elections to sign up to the CLA Rural Powerhouse campaign, which uh, aims to reduce the productivity gap between the countryside and urban areas by looking at five key themes, profitable farming, connectivity, the planning system, tax and skills. I thought this would be a good uh, time in our chat to look at why these areas are fundamental to rural Wales and what can be done to help them flourish. Uh, If we look at profitable farming first, uh, and Rory, we're expecting a new agriculture bill for Wales um, to be presented in the next Senev term, which will mark a significant shift towards payment for environmental goods. Are farmers across Wales ready to make that change? I think it's a very mixed picture. I think some are. Some are rearing to go. Some, some would be happy if it came in tomorrow. Others haven't even really started on that process of, of, of thinking about how, um, how, how things might change. And I think there's a, you know, dare I say, it's an extent to which there's some heads in the sand. No, not necessarily, you know, farmers aren't blame necessarily for that because it's, it's hard to know how to, or the extent of which one should adapt and change one's business if one doesn't know how exactly what what's on offer, what the detail of the scheme will be. You know, we know the broad brush principles of the scheme, but we don't know payment rates, we don't know the specifics of, of what um, will attract payments and so forth. So it is it, it is difficult. Do you think, uh, it's interesting picking up on an earlier comment you made, Rory, around sometimes the Welsh government wants to be different to be different. Uh, actually, when you look at the uh, the future direction and the policy direction, there's been a lot of commentary around how similar some of the future farming policies being developed in Wales is that to what DEFRA is developing in England. What's your view on that? I think it's, that, that's absolutely necessary because you know, what we really don't want to have is the creative internal market in the, in, in the UK with 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 one country or the other having a competitive advantage over over the other one. So I, I think, you know, these both both the schemes in, in England and Wales address fundamentally the same global issues which are um you know common to all parts of the UK, which is you know a, a huge decline in biodiversity and, and a climate crisis. And um you know and, and the need for good quality uh environmentally well produced well food with, with high welfare standards and so forth. So, you know, it's it's not surprising that the approaches are, are very similar. And um, you know, and I think that and that's 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 a helpful thing. I think the differences lie in the way, you know, the detail and the way those uh schemes are adapted to specific circumstances that exist. In, in England and Wales. What's very clear as well, what's going to be very much front and centre of future farming policy will be that need to tackle and mitigate climate change. Do you see there's a real important role to be played by farmers and landowners in that uh, in that uh, campaign? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think when we're talking about climate change, one should make a distinction between um, adaptation and, and mitigation. So, you know, there's the issue of, uh, of the uh, carbon emissions that, that come from farming. Um, which are, you know, not insignificant. 
and the way farmers uh, need to look at what they do and and, and find ways in which they can uh, reduce those emissions. And then there's the mitigation side of climate change, which is about actually um, sequestering uh, carbon. Um, it's about you know renewables um, and 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 providing a you know the countryside provides this huge resource to potentially sequester not just the emissions uh, the farmers produce themselves, but emissions produced by industry and and by third parties. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a a, a very significant part of, of, the, of the farming scene going forward, and I think you know there's lots of opportunities where the uh, the marketplace can provide funding um, for the mitigation side of that, that equation. Certainly, with with a, a robust sort of carbon trading scheme, which hasn't really come into being yet, but but inevitably will do, and offsetting from developments and so forth um you know big opportunities for, for farmers and landowners to, to benefit from that yeah and, and it's interesting to, to see obviously not only there's a, a responsibility on, on farming to to lower its carbon footprint but as you say there's those commercial opportunities that might realize themselves over the next few years around trading uh, and so forth nigel let's turn our attention to the second theme here a fully connected countryside is what you want to see now the pandemic has made uh, made us fun fundamentally clear how dependent we all are on technology whether that's for working from home or trying to homeschool during these times do you think that there's a clear plan um for, for improving connectivity in rural wells covid has been awful quite frankly hasn't it for so many people and obviously our you know we've said this several times and our you know our, our our sympathies go out to everybody that has been affected but as with every crisis there are some positive things you know we're doing this interview now across a, a web platform so i think um the the change in culture is something that's not necessarily been just driven by Welsh government, but I think all of us now pretty much have become experts in using uh, technology and think that can only be a good thing because, um, but obviously what that does do is rely, is, 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 you know, forces Welsh government and indeed UK government to make the countryside much more connected. So I think there is sort of a plan um, in terms of the behaviour change and getting people to think differently, more homeworking and to actually want to do it. I think that's kind of in place and Welsh Government is supporting that, which is really helpful. But we do need Welsh Government to work with UK Government to do more in terms of providing you know, better broadband, better connectivity across the whole of the country. There is a bit of a sort of a debate between, I think, both governments about who should do what. And we've been um, trying to sort of help sort of take that forward with our members. So I think, I guess my honest answer, Alid, is yes, there's sort of a plan, um, but we need a much better plan because I think the world will never be the same as it as it, uh, as it was, you know, before COVID. And we need to really see that as a massive opportunity to, you know, improve people's working conditions, to reduce climate change emissions, and, and importantly, to provide excellent opportunities for those businesses that maybe want to come back home and then be based from a rural area, which again supports the local economy. Yeah, absolutely. And it'd be interesting to pick up on the points made around planning, Nigel, as well, because planning is one of the most common issues for CLA members. Uh, Rory, you mentioned 
the the challenges you're having at the moment in, in terms of the cost in, in just trying to get some sort of sense whether whether your development has any potential for for consent you know Nigel, do you believe that the current system is a barrier for growth in the rural economy I think in some ways it's a barrier I mean if you speak to any planning authority like we do they will say that well over I'm generalizing but often they'll say that a very high proportion of all planning applications are approved uh, and yes we agree with that but often they're very small things like extensions to a house or things that quite frankly you wouldn't want them to not approve so i think the the, the system definitely can be a barrier um i mean thinking more broadly i don't think any of our members would want to see you know unrestricted um ability to develop their farms and lands in whichever way they want that wouldn't that's not something that, that our members want members are very respectful of the fact that you know wales is a beautiful place and the country we need to respect respect and look after it and all that. So I think everybody gets all of that. But it does feel um, from our experience is that many projects that quite frankly should go ahead take so long to get through the system. You need to provide upfront costs for consultants. You need to do X, Y, and Z surveys. And, and yes, I can see why we need to do that. But it does mean that for some developments that maybe um, the members may not be completely sure whether they're going to be profitable you know from year one or two or it might be a bit of a gamble often they'll say do you know what I, i'm not going to go ahead with this because the upfront costs are going to are, are too expensive and it's too much of a risk particularly in the current climate when covid um, you know has caused so many difficulties so I, I think my conclusion is yes it definitely can be a barrier and that's why we've been arguing um, with Welsh government that they need to do certain things um, much, you know, in a much easier way to make it happen. So one good example is we've now got 56 days permitted development rights for uh, um, temporary uses of land. It's for this year only, and it should only be for this year only. But that does mean that there can be a bit of a boost for many of our members and businesses for this year to help them recover from COVID. Yeah, that's a, a useful uh, relaxation of the rules for, for, for this summer. And Harad, have you? What's your experience of the planning system? Have you had challenges? Um, I think it's down to council, local councils. I think it is really important that they are taking into account, making it easier for local people to be able to adapt farm buildings and to be able to grow businesses. It's not always the clearest, um, and, that, and each council is so different that you have to have a planning advisor that is extremely knowledgeable about that local council's specific um, plans um, and I think especially when most councils don't have a five-year housing supply you would hope that they would make it a little bit more flexible to allow for that and that there's a lot of local development plans that are currently in draft that they will be more flexible and now as Roy was saying if we actually want to be um, helping create more renewable energy um, we hope that they'll be more flexible in that respect but yeah I think it can be pretty complicated and it can be quite a lot of hoops to go through um, and some people may just feel they don't have the resources all the time and um, capacity to, to take on um, a project which hopefully would be useful for your business or um, helping to create more housing in the local area and it can actually not help in that respect sometimes so yeah clearer planning and I think um, simpler planning um, 
would would be really helpful, I think. Simplification is is the key. And, and the other area, which I'm sure the CLA would want to simplify, is the tax system, Nigel. Often it sits in the too complicated or too hard box. What, what simplifications would you like to see to that system? Um, I think, you know, as you say, tax is a complicated issue. It's largely controlled by the UK government. We just need to know what um, you know, members need to know what what they need to do and how they can do that in in obviously the easiest possible way. So it's try, trying to make the bureaucracies um, less, trying to imp- make it easier to complete your tax returns, to get better advice online when necessary. If you need to speak to somebody in HMRC, you can get through to them straight away as opposed to waiting for 40 minutes on the phone. It's that kind of thing, really, that would just make it much easier for able to, to deliver things, you know, in a more effective way. I mean, just one quick example, we were argue, arguing for, indeed, lobbying UK government for a reduction in uh, tax the VAT on um, tourism-related businesses. I think, and Harrod, you 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 indicated recently that that has provided, I think, a fairly good boost for many tourism businesses, hasn't it? Having a a lower level of of VAT tax that businesses can benefit from. Yeah, I think there's there are limited tax. I think it's the that they have the powers that the Welsh government have. Um, I'm not sure if they do go on to VAT, but that lower VAT has been extremely helpful for businesses. Um, I sp- especially restaurant businesses, but any hospitality businesses, I think it's been so helpful. But yeah, I think the only extra thing I think was this proposal about the tourism tax that the Welsh government are considering. I think it needs a lot of thought um, as to how it will impact um, the tourism economy because it's suggesting to tax staying visitors, which actually contribute twice as much um, value to the economy as day visitors. I think the VAT in the UK is 20% versus in France and Spain and Italy, it's 10%. So we already pay a lot more in tax in that way. And um, I think it's just important that we don't create extra taxes or negative PR for the Welsh tourism economy, um, which puts us at a disadvantage to England or Scotland or Northern Ireland and Ireland. I think I think it's really important to consult on all, any of these proposed taxes as to what the economic impact would be because so many of these businesses are really in the early stages of recovery and we don't want to discourage any growth and recovery. And uh, let's take a quick look at uh, skills. And, and Harad, it's uh, it's good to see that you know many parts of the Welsh rural economy is thriving, and there's some exciting components, be that new green jobs or a boom in hospitality. How do we keep young people from leaving um, rural areas and uh, to enter the cities? You're a good example. You worked in London and Chester, and you returned home uh, to, to to work in Wales. You know, how do we keep young talent in rural Wales? Yeah, I think it is a really, really important thing um, for the health of the economy because I think there's a projection for net decline in population, um, particularly in North Wales. So it's so important to have all these young people coming back to North Wales. Yeah, I think it's important that we have really highly skilled green jobs, like you're saying, from renewable energy, Um, things like coding, creating online businesses, that does rely on obviously very good connectivity Um, and things like, you know, improvements to buildings to improve the insulation rating. And and there's a real opportunity for some really entrepreneurial businesses and capitalising on local high value food markets but I think we need local colleges to be specializing in some of these um, really highly skilled green jobs um, and making sure that the government um, are really ahead on the training on a a 
kind of European and global scale of being able to look forward to what these opportunities are so that we can encourage industry to actually locate because um, if you do have good connectivity and um, you know we have got lots of renewable um, energy that we could use with the hydro, solar, wind in, in Wales, we could become a real centre for that kind of thing if, if we are forward thinking and we have the right skill set um, in local colleges and the right teaching. Um, I think there's loads of opportunities. Um, so yeah, I think it's extremely important to, if we can encourage people um, back home. Absolutely. And as we draw this podcast to a close, there's one final question that I want to ask of all three of you. And that is, what would be your message for the next First Minister of Wales? If I can start with you, Rory, uh, what's your message? I think all I, I would say quickly is, is that whichever government um, is in power after the elections is made, I think they just need to understand the factors that, that can help drive economic prosperity in rural Wales, um, you know, and help facilitate the innovation and dynamism um, that's out there. I mean, there's, there is a lot of people who, with a lot of skill, with a lot of energy, with a lot of passion for what they do, that just need that um, that partnership with government to enable things to happen. Um, and, you know, please don't smother us in unnecessary regulation. You know, this is a necessary this is a sort of typical kind of um, byproduct of, of lots of government is regulation, and some of which, of course, is necessary. And we don't, I don't for a moment dispute that. But there is other regulation which is probably less, less necessary, and, and it it does hinder business and it hinders incentivizing uh, people to do to do differently and, and, and think differently. So yeah, let, let less less stick. Regulation, more carrot of trust and support from government uh, for us to deliver on on all their economic and environmental uh, goals. So less stick, more carrot is the message from Rory. What's your messaging, Harad? Yeah, I'd say I'd love everyone to work collaboratively um, and capitalise on the opportunities that Wales has to offer to be a strong player in the renewable energy sector and to encourage and incentivise businesses to establish and grow in Wales, perhaps through subsidies, through tax relief, but really long-term policy that they're not going to change their mind on and, um, you know, that could be to help, it could be businesses suffering in the long term if they don't have um, a set-out policy. Um, and use devolution and the change from subsidies to really make Wales um, have a truly bespoke system to be able to help uh, with agriculture policy and help the rural economy to survive and thrive, I really hope. Diolch and Harad, and over to you, Nigel. What's your message? I think my message are in, is in three parts, really, Alid. I think the first thing is about being ambitious about Wales's future and the opportunities that we have here to support uh, you know, a growing green economy, but as very much as part of the UK and the wider global community that we all live in. I think we need to build on our fantastic culture and heritage, and we're all very proud of that. Our Welsh language, our sporting achievements, and everything else that we do so well in Wales that we're very proud of. And I think picking up on the points that we've made already, getting rid of barriers um, and just make it simpler 
to actually do things um, while obviously protecting the environment, looking after people's well-being and health and safety and so on. Well, thank you, Nigel. And uh, who knows, the next First Minister of Wales might be listening to this podcast and hopefully taking note of all the points you've made. Well, can I thank our guests, Rory McLagan and Harad Owen and Nigel Hollett. It's certainly going to be fascinating to see the outcome of the Senev elections at a time where there's a huge amount of change happening. In Weteto, Diolch in Gwesteion once again to Rory and Harad and Nigel. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, www.cla.org.uk. Thank you for listening and I hope you can join us again soon. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast, the CLA's weekly podcast released every Friday. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.